Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Hello and welcome to Down with D&D. My name is Sean Merwin and today my guest host will be one of the mo- most po- prolific content creators on the DMs Guild, Mr. Jeff Stevens. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today and share your vast knowledge of creating content for a growing and changing audience. Sean, thank you for having me. I listen to the podcast all the time and this is like a dream come true for a creator. Um, uh, well, you, you're going to have to move on to bigger and better dreams, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for saying that. So so I want to start by saying this. I, I went onto the DMs Guild and I searched products on the name Jeff Stevens. Mm-hmm. And 100 entries came up. That's a lot. Now I'm good, yeah, I'm going to assume that maybe like two of those weren't you, uh, but, but the other 98 probably were because some of the uh, – these mithril platinum best-selling products, some of these that are the most highly regarded on the DMs Guild, are titles such as Encounters in the Savage Wilderness, Villains and Layers, Volumes 1 through 4, Encounters in the Savage Underdark, Minds of Chult, Encounters in the Savage Jungle, The House of Midnight Violet, Encounters in the Savage Frontier, Dragon's Breath Tavern, Encounters in the Savage Cities, Grim Encounters, Scourge of the Nightingale. I could keep going but i want to be able to talk to you you know about other things so my first question is how do you find the time to make so much content that's a great question Uh, a lot of it i think has to do with horrible sleep patterns um (laughs) you know i'll uh wake up in the middle of the night thinking about a project and just have to get up and start writing otherwise i'm just gonna be tossing and turning in bed um Mm -hmm. and you know i'm sure a lot of creators have that too um it's it's a great but horrible problem to have because, you know, you're getting the content out there. You're writing because that's what you love to do. But then again, your sleep patterns are, you know, you're depriving your body of sleep, which I often just want to say, I don't have anything to do. So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll get ready for bed. I'll sit on my bed and I'll say, there's no reason for me to get up early in the morning. I can sleep mm-hmm. in. No reason at all. That, that doesn't help, though. I'll still wake yeah. up in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. and I usually have a, several projects going on at once. Uh, the uh, And then writing for... Um, the CCC program. I'll, ha- I'll write mm-hmm. something for that and have one of my own projects going too. Um, and then with the Savage uh, Encounters line with line, uh, Villains and Layers and the um, Encounters of the Savage Seas, all those, I'll be managing those while I'm also working on other content. So with those, I hire out other writers who are able to you know produce a lot of the content for me. I act more like a manager on those or a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, you know writing a couple things, but then hiring out the art and all that type of stuff, so sure. it allows me to do several things at once. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I in my late twenties, I had stopped playing D anD D because I had graduated from college, gotten in, you know into the real world, had jobs, but I started having horrible insomnia, which I had never had before. And I tried watching TV, I tried reading, I tried playing games, I tried a ton of different things, and nothing would cure it until I went back and started doing more writing. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started writing, I started sleeping better. And it's kind of followed me for the last 25 years. And, you know, hearing uh, you know other creators talk, it seems like that is not an uncommon problem. 
you know, for, for minds that are geared toward creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I sleep better if I've written the night, that night. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Because oh, yeah. if I, if I put it off, you know, I, I, I go to bed and I think I just wasted two hours watching TV when I could yep. have been doing something else. Um, yeah. So I think that's why sometimes I'll wake up in the night, middle of the night and um, just have this idea or this thing that needs to be changed and just have to get up mm-hmm. and do it. Yeah. And also working, you know, as the boss with other creators could probably make me cause lose a lot of sleep. <laughs> and that's that's really tough, especially when you're working with people overseas or in different time zones, mm-hmm. because I know I'll send a message to someone in Australia and then in, in the middle of the night I'll wake up to see and then, you know, just get up or wake up for some reason check my phone and then it's over with as soon as i start checking my phone for messages and that right. type of thing because we're in there i want to know what they said so you know right. that the different working in the different time zones is just that's it's awesome being able to work yeah. with all these people but right. then again you know as a, as a project lead um manager uh, maintaining those communication lines is just tough too yeah yeah it's unless the business is built around that if people are working on their own schedule then you're absolutely right. You know, things come at, at any time, and you don't want to stifle someone's ability to ask you a question. But you know, waking up at three in the morning, looking at your phone, like you said, right? That's that's bad news. That is, is totally bad news, especially for, and I, for I, a creative mind. I need to put my phone out of my room, you know. But yes. then it's like, then it's like, well, if it rings, I want to be able to hear it. So it's just an emergency because <laughs> that's the only line I have. So, right. <sighs> yeah. Flip a coin, you know. What's better? What's worse? Right. Yep, these 21st century first world problems are real. Exactly. So let's go back in time and talk about your history with D&D. When did you start? What got you into it? And what kept you going uh, in this quote-unquote kids game that all these grown-ups play? Sure. Uh, I We were at a family friend's house in uh, up around in Kansas City, Missouri, I believe it was. Um, I'm, in, I'm from Jefferson City, Missouri, so it's about two and a half hours away. And uh, their son was a little older. He and his family, or he and his brothers and sisters played D&D. And so I sat down with them, and then they had me roll up a fighter who I named Perseus because, you know, Clash of the Titans was the thing then, and I wanted to be the cool, you know, Perseus character. And they ran me through, I can't even tell you what adventure, is probably something he just rolled up in his mind and um, had a blast, absolute blast. So I got back, told my best friend Chris about it. Um, We got the basic sets the old basic red box and then the expert box, you know? Um, and then from there, he and I played, we found a, gr- a group of a few other friends that played and played all through high school Ended playing advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which I carried through me through college and I graduated in 1994. So that dates me a little bit. Um, and then when I, when I got out of college, uh, sold my books, thought I'd never play again, you know, cause I, mm-hmm. you know, graduating, going to, going on in a career, um, but then uh, my brother, just uh, about three years ago, right before 5th edition came out, said, hey, some of my friends and I are from work are starting up a D&D group. Uh, do you want to come and join us? I was like, well, I don't know. This is that old man, that 45-year-old guy saying, who plays D&D anymore, right? right. Um, because I'd been out for so long from the hobbies. I had no idea it was still popular. Uh, so I started playing with them, had a great time. We finished up 4E. Um, and then 5e came out and the, the, uh, DM at the time said, Hey, you know, I'm done. Does anybody else want to DM? I'd always been a player, uh, all my, all my life, all through 
um, elementary, high school, junior high, everything, college. I uh, never really wanted to take up the reins of DM because I enjoyed playing so much. I enjoyed being that character. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, let's give this a shot. So I got the 5e books. I started, you know, I didn't run a, a Watsy adventure. I wrote my own homebrew campaign based on Metallica and Primus songs. Um, <laughs> Master of Puppets was basically the theme of the campaign. Oh, that's funny. Um, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I loved playing all the NPCs. Loved um, dealing with the uh, the characters and interacting with the characters. And I was a pretty generous DM. I like to give out magic items, which, you know, turned on me in the end because the oh, characters always. were too strong. But, you know, hey, that's all right. They were having a good time. Right. Uh, and then, you know, that's just, that's where my love for the game came back. And, mm-hmm. you know, looking at it now, it's not as good as it was for me back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It just seems like my imagination was stronger back then. I fell into it. I would just be reading the books constantly as a kid mm-hmm. uh, in high school, junior high, and, you know, be creating characters all the time. And now I think I'm just bogged down with a full-time job. You know, family mm-hmm. takes that away from you. And so you just have less imagination, I think. At least I, that's, mm-hmm. for, that's how I feel. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If you have less imagination... But you're still creating a hundred products on the DMs Guild. You must have had some (laughs) amount of imagination back then. Because it seems to me that your imagination is is pretty strong right now, uh, based on some of the things I've read that that you've written. Yeah, and I've had a lot of help with a lot of those projects. Rimley Farr has helped me with uh, Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss and Happy Jack's Funhouse. He's a great writer. He comes up with some strange stuff. And so, you know, when I work with another writer like that, a solo one-on-one adventure... um, you know, I'll give them an idea. I say, okay, this is my idea, and then I want to. I want it in a fun house. And Rimley's like, well, you know, I used to work uh, as a kid in a carnival, so I, I've got some <laughs> ideas for that. And it's like, all right, cool, go with it. And so he put together this adventure, and then I took it and um, kind of massaged it a little bit, added some stuff, uh, added Happy Jack's environments at the end and everything. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's I, I I loved writing by myself, okay, mm-hmm. but then I found this whole other level of writing when I work with someone else right? because you know, you're able to bounce ideas off. You're able to give them a prompt and they come up with something that you would never even think of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just totally out of this world. And it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And so I, I still write myself by myself. I write with others. Uh, and then I do the large collaboration projects too. Mm-hmm. And so I have help in that imagination arena. Uh, True. but because you can get burned out, you can, Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I imagine you're, you're feeling that, you know, being full-time. Yeah, there have been times, but I, I kind of do something similar to you, right? I, I do my own writing, but then I work with others. Mm-hmm. Then I do editing. And so, so you're kind of touching the three, uh, the three in the creative process, right? There's, there's in, the, in, in, in games, there's the designer, right? You're mm-hmm. writing the adventure. There's the developer who's taking the adventure and saying, how can we make it better? Does it work? Uh, and then there's the editor who is just you know going through looking for problems, looking for typos, making sure everything uh, fits together. So you're kind of doing all three of those jobs. Maybe as the editor, you're not going through line by line, but you're still giving it that pass. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's 
all creators have that feel that that editor feel to them because mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever pick up a, an adventure off the DMs Guild or even the Watsi products and read it and say, well, why didn't they do this or this should be mm-hmm. written this way to make it more you know I think that's right. that's in all of us um, where where yeah. DMs and the general community are like, hey, as long as it's written down, I can understand it. It's cool, right. you know. It's true. Uh, and, creators and the DM- are the worst critics of everything, you know, <laughs> yeah. of, of other people's works. Players, most of the time, DMs, they don't care. As long as it's written down, they can understand it. But whereas creators will see something and say, well, that doesn't make any sense, or they should have done this, or this isn't edited properly, or, you know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, after, you know, that's why, you know, people say if, if you want to enjoy, you know, paintings, don't become a painter. Right. right? If you want to enjoy novels don't become a novelist because once you get down into the you know how the sausage is made it's it's all ugly mm-hmm. uh to you in, unless you're the one doing it right so you know it's it that is definitely a a challenge or a peril of of doing it but then you know you you read something and and you're like Oh, that's that's beautiful. That's yeah. amazing. I no. wish I had thought of that. I agree with yeah. you there too because there's things I pick yeah. up on the DMs Guild. I'm like, holy cow! I don't write anywhere near this good. This is amazing product. So, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. it can be humbling at times too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even then, and I think in those cases, sometimes you know DMs or players they read it and they're like, okay, cool. The words are on the page and I can use them, but they they might not see the nuances of it that that a, a designer would see. And that's right. why I love to talk to a wide range of people from designers to DMS to players to, you know, just to get everybody's input and, and, and uh, you know, experience with this game. Mm-hmm. Um, now the players are not, usually never going to read the adventure. So you have to come at players from a whole different angle than you might the DMS or you might the creators. So uh, working as a, uh, project manager, how how have you found that experience as opposed to being the creator? Have have you had to like dig into your uh, life experiences, you know, to like maybe as a full time job or or other things you've done? You you've kind of tapped that business side of you. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I've been a manager several times. I'm a supervisor now, and you know, I'm basically. My my philosophy is treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't hound people. If somebody comes back to me and says, you know, I I wanted to do this project, but I don't have the time to do it. Something came up. I can't. I'm like, that's okay. You know, life happens. This is our hobby. This isn't our full time job. Um, if something like that happens, it's it's okay. You're not burning bridges with me. Um, and you know, as far as managing. It's again, you know, the difficulties come with um, the different time zones, different locations. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe sometimes you pick up a brand new writer, um, which I I like to give as many people as I can the chance to write for me. And that's sometimes Mm -hmm. brand new writers, uh, Mm -hmm. experienced writers, um, you know, people who have written three or four adventures, you know, and I, I think we all learn from that process. Oh, yeah. So. And, and most people are always happy to write for me. I appreciate that. Yeah. So here's a question I always get that maybe you can help me figure out an answer for. Uh, people will always come to me and say, you know, how do I get involved? How do I get started? And I wish I could say to everybody who came to me, hey, let me help you. But I just can't because that would be thousands of people yeah. <laughs> uh, over the years. So, you know, if 
how would you or how do you choose somebody to work with? Um, yeah, that, that's the that's the end of my question. How do you choose somebody to work with? Um, so a, a lot of times it'll be I'll, I'll see something on the DMs Guild. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll read over it. Um, I, this this is a great creator. I'll pick that person up and and I'll I'll send him a message uh, mm-hmm. and see if they're interested in this project. And a lot of times they are. If they say cool. no, you know, sometimes they're, they've already committed to other projects. No worries. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the uncaged writers I picked up um, mm-hmm. sent them an email after reading some of their stuff, and they were like, yeah, that's great. You know, it's just it, a lot of it is um, just what I see uh, sometimes mm-hmm. in, in, in other creators. Uh, and then for the Savage Underdark, I actually put a call out on the DMs Guild looking for Underdark writers. Okay. Uh, because I didn't have a whole lot of experience with that. And I had, you know, five or six people come back and say, hey, yeah, I'm interested. And so we put that program together or that, that uh, product together, and it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I find my writers. I don't put out open calls because I've seen a lot of people uh, become overwhelmed with responses right. on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I like to have some control over the quality of writing I'm going to see, I'm going to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am willing, like I had said, to take on new writers who may need additional help. Yeah. So, so, so it sounds like a, a good first step is, is put something up on the DMs. Group. I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another first step is Ashley Warren's RPG writers workshop. Yep. If anybody wanted to, you know, that I've not taken it. I signed up for it once and I just didn't have the time to actually dig into it. And I apologize, Ashley. I really, really want to take that that course, um, but uh, I'm already juggling time. But yeah, that that program puts out. Uh, I don't want to put out. I want. I want to say develops some great writers and teaches mm-hmm. you a lot of things. And I, th- I think it's a great way to start too. Awesome. Uh, another another uh, <clears throat> suggestion I have is before you put something on the DMs Guild, buy something or pick up something from there that's similar to what you want to write. Gotcha. Take a look at it. Make sure make sure you understand the layout, um, you know, and build on that and then, you know, produce a product. Awesome. Well, let's get into our main topic today. After that, great information will hopefully bring some more uh, to our audience. We, I wanted to talk about creating D&D for a changing audience. Uh, it's been on my mind a lot recently because uh, as a creator, you want to create what you love. Uh, but as a business person, um, you want to have an audience. So you, you need to think in both directions. You don't want to create something you don't enjoy doing um, if it's going to sell well. And you don't want to write something you're going to love writing if you need to sell it and there's no audience for it. So I want to talk to Jeff about what lessons that he's learned about the audience of D&D through his experiences as a, both a creator and a kind of business side content seller. So could you uh, talk, begin to at least delve sure. into that topic? All right. Yeah. Things that I have learned. Um, first one is you can't please everyone and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have a great idea and the adventure may be fantastic, but it may not um, strike the nerve of, of the DMs that out there that, that, that run the, that run the games. They may, not, they may look at it or, or read the synopsis and they're like, nah, this isn't for me. could be the best adventure out there, but you know, uh, if it's not something that somebody wants, they're not going to buy it. But 
I still think you should write it because that's a piece of you, a story that you want to tell. You know, mm-hmm. get it out there and put it out there, and eventually it'll sell. Um, and then also with reviews, the same thing. You can't please everyone all the time, and that's okay because you'll see a bad review from a reviewer and a good review from a reviewer. So it's, it's on the same product. It's like mm-hmm. it, you can't you can't please everyone. Everybody's looking for right. something different. Right. It's that old saying where if you if if somebody loves it and somebody hates it, or if a lot of people love what you say and a lot of people hate what you say, you're probably just right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And another thing that just by dealing with uh, on Twitter uh, with the whole uh, box text um, discussion, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think there's a correct way to write an adventure, but there are a lot of wrong ways. Mm, definitely. Um, you know, you could follow the Watsi style guide. Uh, I mostly do, except I make a few changes. I do mention um, page numbers for monsters in the monster manual, and I also bold skill checks and saves. Um, I just find it mm-hmm. easier as a DM to find those when they're bold. That's just my personal preference. If I'm writing for Watsi, uh, I would totally change that <laughs> and write <laughs> by their, st- their style guide. But, you know, my clients, my, my, my customers seem to really enjoy that bolding of the product. So. Okay. Interesting. Uh, those and that, 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 that is funny because, you know, you have found an audience for that particular thing that you do. Uh, and if that, that is working for you, you absolutely should stick with it. But by following the Watsi style guide in everything else, you are leveraging that uh, familiarity with the main products to make your own product seem within that realm. And, yeah. and the style guide changes from time to time, you know, and mm-hmm. the, Watsi may say, hey, bolding is a good idea. Let's do that for skill checks and saves. And I can say, yeah, I was doing that a couple of years ago. But, you know, <laughs> they may never say that, though. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and so that's 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 just another thing that I picked up is mm-hmm. is that creators, like I said before, could be their own worst enemy by nitpicking and saying, well, you shouldn't be bolding that or you shouldn't be putting page numbers because um, – the, the print editions can change and all that, but it mm-hmm. works for me. And if they did print, the, change the print edition, the page number would only be like a page off or something like that. So it gets them in the general area. Right. Right. You know, uh, probably the biggest thing though, that I've, I've learned, um, with the audience now compared to when I was playing is how diverse it is, um, mm-hmm. with, uh, genders, identification, um, uh, ethnicity, mm-hmm. all of that, uh, which I have to say I've learned quite a bit since I start, first started publishing. I hate mm-hmm. to say it, uh, I was ignorant at the beginning. I published an adventure, and you know, after rereading it, it's like all guys and fellas written in there. I'll go get the guys. Uh, come on, fellas, you know. And mm-hmm. and when I reread it a, a couple months ago, I was like, wow, I need to go back and update this, which I haven't done yet, but I plan to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just to include, hey, guys and gals, or, you know, uh, just more gender, mm-hmm. uh, more everything, you know, right. to make it for, feel more diverse and more inclusive. Mm-hmm. And so I love the, the, the audience that's out there now. I am so happy that uh, they are, we, we have a vocal audience that mm-hmm. wants this type of stuff. Right. You know, wants that kind of writing. Um. I know there's some people that don't. I don't care. You know, I'm going to write what I write. I'm going to write what I want to write, and I want to write it for who I want to write it for. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, it's definitely true. And you know, for for us, you know, older white dudes, you know, we need to 
we need to be taught this in some way. I would agree. And, yeah. And and so that vocal group who who are telling us, hey, you need to change the way you write. They are they are they're an instrument of learning for us, as well as advocates for themselves. Mm-hmm. And as as we know more, then we can make the game even more inclusive and even more diverse and even more open to an audience and what that audience wants and needs. Yes. And so I think that is, I think that is a great, um, you know, that's a great point about the audience and where we need to keep our focus on, you know, as we, as creators, um, build hopefully even more and you know even growing audience even Mm -hmm. greater audience so yeah Yeah. when i i mean when i was a kid it was all guys playing D &D, you know Mm -hmm. and now some of the best creators in D, &D, uh some of the best editors artists cartographers are women and Mm -hmm. i think that's Mm -hmm. fantastic and it's just great to see that okay to move on to this this is sort of tangential to audience, but it's about stuff that goes along with text in a product. Because when I think of a D and D audience, again, I'm going back to when we we were coming up in the game. Mm-hmm. It was basically a cover with a picture, mm-hmm. and then the mostly text. There might have been some small interior art pieces, but they were generally filler. Uh, sometimes having very little to do with the adventure itself, and it was it was all text. Now, even the um, sort of lowest priced products on the guild are coming with a full color cover, and maps, and art, and layout that looks very professional. Um, how important is that you think to this audience that is now here for the game? And how did that change the way you create products? I think it's very important. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know there are some people who, uh, some purchasers, DMs that don't care. They'll just um, pick up an adventure based on who wrote it. Uh, but the cover, the title, all the interior art, the great layout, I think is very important because it shows that you're putting a lot of effort into that project. You know, the project current, I mean, just by looking at it, you say, Oh, that's a valuable project product. Mm. Uh, you don't have to read the text to find out if it's any good. You can see the art, you can see the layout, you can see the maps. Say that's, that's killer. That looks awesome. And just buy it without even reading anything about it. Um, so I do think those things are important. Uh, when we started, when the guild first opened, when I started publishing, um, in 2016 is when I first put a product up there. But there were no, there was nothing like that, you know. It was all basic covers, um, maybe a simple piece of spot art, uh, yeah, spot art on the on the cover, uh, a couple of pieces of black and white inside, hand drawn, you know, black and white maps, and you know, stuff sold. But then um, I think the turning point was when Benoit de Bernardi published Banquet of the Damned, and he had this beautiful cover of this. Um, just grotesque creature on the cover eating eating right. like rotten food and uh mm-hmm. i saw that thing i'm like who is this guy what's he doing yeah. publishing on the dm's guild doesn't he know that like we're like low budget <laughs> right and so i think that really started that's that's when it changed um and people started mm-hmm. putting more money into it and then you know editing wasn't big when, when we first started uh mm-hmm. i could just self-edit and put something up and 
um, get a few comments that editing, editing was bad, but then more editors and more other readers came on and said, well, let's, let's start actually hiring editors to edit our products. And mm-hmm. so you have this um, inflow of money into the production of it. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important and it's, and it's good that that's happened because it's made us better creators and it's giving the public a better product, in my opinion. Right. And, and it's also bringing in uh, experts in different fields, right? You're getting cartographers and layout specialists and, as you said, editors and artists uh, and even marketing folks mm-hmm. right, uh, are, are coming in and saying, I can help you market this in these different ways. Um, so it's it's in a way kind of raising uh Raising all the boats as right. the tide as the right. tide comes in, but it does. While it does increase costs on the creation side, it also increases revenue. I strongly believe you know, on the sales side. I would agree. Um, and and if one person is drawn to the DMs Guild or Drive Through or wherever where they can see this really cr- great product, they're more likely to buy the next great product sitting right next to it mm-hmm. or the next one next to that. And now you have brought in not just this person that's bought this one good product, but you've expanded your audience yet again. So, I, yeah, I think that's great. I love seeing new products hit the guild that are, that are like that. I mean, I wish I'd have produced them, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but anything, something, anytime something great comes along, something different uh, that you really see seeing selling very well, you know that there's probably some new customers coming in, um, picking mm-hmm. that up, and which is gonna, which is gonna help everyone if they like what they if they like what they purchase and they come back and find something else. I mean, we need more customers of the Dungeon Masters Guild, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Oh, um, I, I think it's definitely true. There's multi millions of players, you know, uh, playing D and D. I can tell you, I have not sold that many copies of my products. <laughs> no, no, and it, it still amazes me to say go to a convention a larger convention with multiple types of games or multiple geek culture uh, aspects to the game and going into a, 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 a seminar or panel and mentioning the DMs Guild and having someone raise their hand and say, what's the DMs Guild? Mm-hmm. You know, after all these years, they know D&D like the back of their hand. They watch these streams. They know everybody's name at Wizards of the Coast, but they're still not aware that the DMs Guild is there. Uh, or even worse, you know, people come, go to the forums and say there needs to be a product about, uh, about you, you name it, the Feywild. Right. And why haven't they done something on the Feywild? And I'm sitting there looking at the DMs Guild, going, there are like 500 great products that fit that description right here. Some of them written by people who are actually writing on the books that you are buying. Right. Uh, but since it's not. Wizards of the Coast yep. official, it you know they just won't even won't even consider looking at it. Right. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, I know that. I, I mean, I'll admit I was I was that way for a while. You know, when I was playing, when I first learned of the DMs Guild, I was like, well, who's writing this stuff? I have no idea who it is. But then as I've learned who the creators are and who the writers are on the Watsi books, I'm like, yeah, well, it makes sense to be buying stuff off the DMs Guild because the same creators who are contributing to the official books now are publishing on the Dungeon Masters Guild. So uh, yeah. their own products, you know, yeah. MT Black, James Intricasso, Shaw Merwin, you know, um, yeah. 
this just it's it's a beautiful yeah. thing. And I, I think yeah. Watsy and Drive Through RPG, I think this 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 little marriage that they have with that is a brilliant idea. You know, mm-hmm. because they aren't forced to produce a bunch of small content to cater to, you know, um, strange player options, uh, right. one-shot adventures. They're able to focus on these large books, which mm-hmm. I, Chris Lindsay did a great job of putting this thing together, um, developing the Dungeon Masters Guild and the Guild Adams. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's been, I think that it's not the main reason why 5th edition is doing so well, but it is a contributing factor that Wizards could focus specifically on their best options for books and for rollout of, of products and let the, these third party and individual creators create. Mm-hmm. And I, I think having that focus that they had really helped uh fifth edition grow to the point where it's at now. And I'm grateful they did it. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. So yeah, that's, that's very true. So, Let's talk about the process for f- putting together a project for for you. Okay. Um, you know, you you get an idea. You know that you have the ability to to create this. What's your process for putting a team together and coming up with that finished product? Okay. So I'll take um, Encounters in the Savage Under Under Dark as an example. You know, okay. I had the I I had written or I had produced several of the uh, other Savage Encounters books. And I was like, well, where do I want to go next? So the Savage Seas was the, was the one before this. Um, and so I was like, well, let's go to the Underdark. You know, Tony Petreca did a great job with uh, the Underdark already with Journey Through the Center of the Underdark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, I had to ask Tony to join me on this project. Uh, I asked for his permission uh, just because, you know, he already had that. I, I felt that he already had a tie to the Underdark. And so I was like, sure, let's do it. And so he joined me on it. And then I put out a little call for writers on the Dungeon Masters Guild and, and gathered my group of writers and kind of said, okay, well, this is what I need. Um, I need something, a short encounter, uh, so many words. Uh, can you use this map to do something with it or sketch me a map or, or use this kind of creature, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so from that idea, I had the writers um, and they, as they were turning in work, I would then send it to an editor. I'd review it and then send it to an editor. Well, while the editing's going on, I'm hiring the art, I'm, or I'm, yeah, I'm hiring the art and the cartography for it. And as all these things are coming together, I'm putting it in layout. So it's allowing me to not wait for each piece to come in, for all the pieces to come in before I start laying it out. I'm able to work on it as everything's coming in, which makes nice. it an, an easy way to do it. And my layout, I use Word. I, I don't know how to use InDesign. I've become fairly proficient with Word. Wow. Um, and I think it looks fairly good. Yeah, I'm sure it would look much nicer in, in design, but but it gets the job done. If you're if you're just doing a PDF, you know, it still it looks good. So right, yeah, and and if if you're not doing you know a bulk of the writing or a bulk of the art yourself, you know that gives you the freedom to to say you know to to put your stamp on it um, by by doing that layout. Mm-hmm. Now, I had no idea you did the layout in Word because that I mean it looks great. So. Yeah, yeah, I've. Had a couple of people do some layout for me, um, but for the most part, I just since I don't know InDesign, um, if I need any updates, it's so much easier for me to use Word because then I can just update it, create a PDF, and upload it. Or if I have new products that I want to advertise at the end of my my adventures, I can easily update that, you know, save it, and, uh, update the Word document, PDF, upload it. Uh, maybe when I go full time at this, which I don't know when that'll ever be, 
I'll have time to learn InDesign um, and and figure out how to make it look uh, even even better. But uh, for the most part, I think this works out for me. That's interesting. So uh, in terms of reaching your audience, I'm going to kind of go off script here a little bit. In terms of reaching your audience, have you had to think about or do any special sort of marketing? Or has the guild, just the, the audience that's already on the guild, been enough to uh, keep you on the top of this wave? That's really hard to tell because uh, I know there's ways out there to track like who does what with your links, that type of thing. Um, the best way the best way I've learned how to track that myself is through promotional tools. Uh, you can you can set up a discount for the for the title, mm-hmm. and I'll set up a discount for Reddit. I'll set up a discount for Facebook, you know, and just use those links in those areas when okay. I when I post about it. And I'll see, you know, I set up 250 discounts for Reddit and I've had 250 people redeem it. Okay, Reddit, they really like that piece. But then like Facebook or Twitter, they don't respond to it as well. So it's really weird to to see um, who's buying the product and from where. And I think being on the in the best sellers list on the DMs Guild is a big help too. Um, sure. That top line there, 1 through 5 or 1 through 10, people are going to see it as soon as they open the, the tab. You know, and that's everybody's goal is to make that, that uh, top 10 uh yeah. so that when they go to the guild they're going to see your product right there and it's hard to do that, yeah though it is it is hard to do especially when you know the top two or three slots are always like the same people or the same like you know matt mercer put something up that's oh, going to sure. be number one forever so yes. that's okay you know we're, we're just fighting for you know, two through nine at, or two through ten at this right. point but no i mean it's great but you know that's an ingenious use of that um of that refund or or discount mm-hmm. uh, link because i've only used it to give away free stuff but you know to to put that link up in different places that's that's ingenious yeah you just have to write the link number down because you can't name it i can't name it like um Uh, reddit or something you just have to keep a track of the link number and and if you it'd be easy if you like 101 102 103 you know discounts and so reddit has 103 that type of thing so yeah it's it's been really helpful to see who's discounting you know i even have a newsletter that goes out to about 180 people Okay. Um, I figure about half of those people open it. Um, mm-hmm. Some people just sign up. Um, and from that, I get maybe 10% redu- um, yeah. of redemptions on those discounts. And maybe those people yeah. are actually going out and buying it at full price instead of using the discount. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's a way to – my newsletter is a way to keep um, up to date on what I'm doing. I send special discounts even better than what I send on Twitter to my newsletter subscribers. Uh, just as a thank you for helping me out, you know. Wow! But yeah, well, as, as an as an old digital marketing expert from my past, getting a fifty percent, you know, engagement rate and then a ten percent click through and and conversion rate uh, is is pretty darn good. Well, so you know, kudos to thanks. You know, just that that simple thing. Uh, you're you're doing something that people full time you know work doing that as their job but have trouble reaching sometimes but that's not every product though that's true <laughs> that's like you know one product maybe got three clicks uh you know right. uh, but but if you've got a a, a cover that's this pop, that just pops with color or uh, uh probably the best covers that I've ever had that have done the best are the savage encounters covers um the madhouse of tasha's kiss and happy jack's funhouse Happy Jack is this clown with a big set of teeth, you know, smiling. It's just Happy Jack's put out at the top. When that came out around um, 
Halloween, which is, you know, when it came out too. Of course, I got some, oh, you're going to be sued by Stephen King. I'm like, well, this has <laughs> nothing to do with it. This isn't, yeah. You, know, yeah. Um, you probably could have put that actual clown on the cover and you wouldn't have been sued by Stephen King. Right. Uh, uh, he's so, things to do. you know, that sold really well. There are certain products that players see that they want to play, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. and some that they don't want to play. And so when you get those players tagging their DM, say, hey, I want to play this, you know, and Facebook or Twitter or something like that, it's like, that's a good sign. That's that's when you've hit it. And Yeah, um, that, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's the old uh, advertise to the children yeah. to go after the parent sort of yeah. thing. I, I like that. But like I said, it doesn't happen often. <laughs> I got lucky yeah. with a couple of products, so. But, yeah, you may you may create ten products on the, and publish on the DMs Guild, and you, one of those ten may be like a stellar seller. You just never know what's mm-hmm. going to go, what's going to sell. Yeah, uh, it could be like you could be right. You could write ten of the best or nine of the best adventures you've ever written. The tenth one is poorly written, but it has a cool cover and title, and it sells like hotcakes. Yeah, you just never true. know. That's true. Yeah, and I think it's. I've said this before, I'm sure, but it's helpful that. You know, when you're looking at your audience, the audience is going to be looking in Watsi's direction for the most part. You know, D and D players, and so if you can tie something you're doing into what Watsi's doing, about to do, has just done, um, your audience is naturally gravitating in that direction. So you can follow that lead, and you will probably capture the attention of the audience more if you can. Not do the same thing that they're doing, right. but do something tangential something that ties to into that. It. Yeah, because yeah, I know people have put Happy Jacks and Madhouse Tasha Kiss in their Curse of Strahd campaigns just because it's a horror, they're horror pieces. Right. Um, and they just, you know, I gave a little bit of a suggestion on how to do that, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, in the text. You said, you know, if you want to put this in Curse of Strahd, blah, 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 just like three lines. And yeah. maybe they use that, maybe they don't. But uh, I'd, I'd like to write generic as possible to allow them to fit into a lot of home campaigns. But, you know, some I do tie into um, Watsy products, but loosely, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, if you do it blatantly, that's fine because yeah. that's, you can that's do that. kind of what they want you to do almost. Uh, but if you can do it a little more loosely, you're, you're going to catch the, the DMs or the players that are kind of on that fringe of what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as the ones who are laser focused on, oh, we're going into Avernus, so let's lay out the you know ten thousand demons or the you know hundred thousand magic items of of the abyss or you know, whatever. Right. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, we are right at the forty-two minute mark, which means it is time to let our listeners have a small break. So I want to first of all thank everyone out there for listening. We truly do appreciate your your support, and thank you, Jeff, for coming on and sharing with us your experiences on the DMs Guild and with D&D. It's been a pleasure, Sean. I had a great time. Cool. So if you'd like to support our show, there are a few things you can do. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP, and just for a paltry dollar, you can help us pay our hosting costs and get access to some great extras. Um, if you listen to the show... Give us a review on whatever podcatcher that you use um, or just talk about us on social media. We really do appreciate having the word of Down With D&D spread around. Um, Jeff, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I have the worst Twitter handle ever because I thought it was clever, but it's my middle name. So it's at 
J. Corbin Stevens. That's C O R V I N S T E V E N S. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find me on my website, jeffstevensgames.com, and on Facebook, uh, and the DMs Guild, too. Under Je- Just search for Jeff Stevens, you'll find me. Oh, yes, you will find at least 100 of of Jeff on uh, the DMs Guild. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can go to the forums at misdirectedmark.com, where we can uh, chat about anything that we talk about or anything D&D-related. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Jeff, what are we going to do now? Uh, Sean, I think we're going to go kill some uh, monsters. But... So I've heard. All right. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?